0: to becoming your best version. I am your host, Maria Leonard Olson. I am a civil litigation attorney based in Washington, D.C., a podcaster, mentor to women in recovery, author, TEDx speaker, and journalist. I started this podcast three years ago to bring to my listeners inspiring women whose paths have crossed mine. And you can learn more about me and my work at MariaLeonardOlson.com. I would appreciate it if you would hit the like button on my TEDx talk to increase its visibility because I believe it has the capacity to help many people. And if you read my book, 50 After 50, Reframing the Next Chapter of Your Life, please submit a review. It really is the nicest thing you can do for any author. We happen to have an author here today. Roberta Kuriloff is a speaker, community activist, former former attorney, and the author of the book called Framing a Life, Building the Space to Be Me, which was published July 2023 by She Writes Press. With humor and poignancy, her memoir takes readers along an inspiring journey of self-discovery as Roberta finds that home is less a physical place then an intrinsic sense of self, an unshakable foundation of the heart and soul. She also published Everything Special, Living Joy, Prose and Poems to Inspire, and a short story she wrote called Unearthing Home was published in Yellow Arrow, Arrow Publishing Journal. An essay called Musings on the Word Atonement was published in Art in the Time of Unbearable Crisis, Women Writers Respond to the Call, published by She Writes Press last year. As a child living in an orphanage, Roberta dreamed of being Superman's daughter flying above Earth to save the world's disenfranchised children, or being the Pied Piper leading the other kids back to their family homes. In later life, her legal work centered on families in emotional and financial crisis. She is a founding member of two domestic violence projects, as well as an elderly services organization and was a hospice patient volunteer and bereavement workshop facilitator. In between her community work, she makes time to enjoy her passions for writing and dance. In her book, Framing a Life, Roberta explores how those losses shaped the woman, lawyer, and activist she'd become. As she cleared land, hammered nails, lifted beams, and shivered in her rented mobile home, the answers came to her. Roberta's journal of self-discovery is truly inspiring, as she finds that home is more than just a physical place. Roberta Will has spoken about and speaks about writing letters to her departed mother in her journal, which brought her clarity and comfort during times of intense grief, the concept of home and how that idea evolved for her over time, pursuing an uncharted spiritual journey and how she found solace after losing loved ones, how we fit into our cultural and religious ancestry, and understanding how we look at life, half empty or half full. You can find out more about her at Roberta, Roberta Curloff.com, or follow her on Twitter at RKurloff Author. All of this information is in the show notes. Welcome, Roberta. Thank you, Maria. So it sounds like you write about intensely personal things in your life. Yes and i imagine that took a lot of courage did did you always journal and then decide at one point that it would be helpful to share your writings with the world yes i have 35 journals
1: wow Uh, (laughs) i think i'm on 36 at the moment um and i learned so much during my life from my life experiences and my dreams, um, and recorded all of that. So it made it easier when I decided to write the book to have all this information available in case I forgot a lot of things, which I did. But um, uh, it was an amazing experience writing the book. It, It felt that I needed to do that. And one of the reasons that I wanted to do the memoir is because I wrote... The the first book, Everything Special, Living Joy, and I wrote that at a meditation retreat. I didn't mean to write it, but mm-hmm. I was sitting in meditation, and it was a, a intensive week. And at one point in uh, my room, just at night, I think it was around midnight, all these thoughts came into my head, and I didn't know where they should go and what was happening. And I just wrote things. And those are the poems in Everything Special, Living Joy. And wow. so it was such an amazing experience to, to go through this, to feel like your soul finally li- listened and let me speak through it. And it was a marvelous experience. And I wanted people to see what I wrote because I think it was very positive and uh, supportive and Uh, That's the type of reaction I received. And so I wanted to explain that with all the losses that I've had in my life, and especially towards the end of the book, um, uh, after Nancy's death that I talk about in the book, um, that's when I had this epiphany in terms of uh, what's important and what I wanted to share with, with others to be helpful and supportive.
0: Wow. Well, that's really beautiful. Thank so you. let's talk about your your childhood. How did yeah. you come to be in an orphanage? Well, my
1: uh, I, I lived with my father and mother and my younger brother, who's four years younger than me. And at age six, my mother died of cancer. And my father uh, put took us to our, my aunt's farm in, in New Jersey. And so we lived on this farm for a year, which was uh, a beautiful experience and one that I think really led me to where I am now. But um, I can talk about that another time. But uh, so this, after my uh, we were there a year, my aunt found out she had cancer and her daughter said to, to me that we can't live there any longer. And so, none of my other relatives were able to uh, take us. My father, truthfully, had twelve brothers and sisters, and my mother had five, but they all had their own families, and they just couldn't do that. And uh, one was willing to take us, but to adopt us, and we didn't want to be that. Adop- i we didn't want to be adopted, or my father didn't want us to be adopted. I was six. my brother was two. Um, so somehow we ended up in the orphanage for lack of another place to go, and that was in Queens, New York, Mm. and we were there, I think, about five years.
0: Mm. Wow, that must have been hard.
1: Yes, I I talk about it in the book and early on about the, uh, the first night in particular, how scary it was, and my brother was taken, he was so young, he was taken to the boys' building, and I didn't really get to see him, and I was in with another building with the girls, um, so it was it was a um, very difficult at the time. But like life, you adjust to it, and you can somehow I had it in me to see the positive in my life. How why that happened, I don't know. After being in an orphanage, but it was a way to keep me going. I, I like you mentioned early on um, in the intro that I tried to picture myself to be. Um, Superman's daughter or Roy Rogers' daughter, you know, Mm -hmm. flying and riding and doing those kind of things. Mm -hmm. And then there were a lot of other kids and uh, we made our own little families and supported each other. And my father visited almost every weekend.
0: What made you decide to write letters to your departed mother?
1: I think because in my journals, especially the earlier ones, I would always um, put in, when I wrote a journal entry, I w- would somehow say, um, Dear Eva, and that was her name, and I love the name Eva,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and my father's name was Abraham, and his Jewish name was Abrasha, and they're just beautiful names, Eva and Abrasha, but I, it made me feel closer to my mother to write the letters that way, and, and the journal let- entries that way to Dear Eva, so it became that, and when I was going through writing my book, I realized I would like to put some of that in, touched up a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, it was it made me feel good, yeah, and it, and it seemed to flow with everything else, especially towards the end.
0: It seems like a very therapeutic thing to do. I was imagining that maybe a therapist told you that that would be healing, but no, you just came up with it. I, I just came up with it. So you apparently fared very well as an adult, becoming earning your Juris Doctor and becoming uh, a volunteer, helping so many people. How did your brother fare? Uh, my brother became an
1: electronic engineer. Hmm. Um, and he has a decent life, but his life is quite different because he was so young. And I don't want to go into his situation, but sure. he had it much harder. Emotionally in growing up. I at least when we when we left the orphanage, and we went to live with my dad, I was um, going into the first year of high school, as I recall, and my brother's four years younger. So um, I think it was much harder for him than for me, easier for me to make friends.
0: I ask you that because I have a younger brother, and we had a tumultuous childhood, and I believe that he did not fare as well as I did. So maybe it was because he was younger, I'm not sure. And then I became, tried to become his mother, and that was not a good idea. No, no, I've learned (laughs) that. I learned that. (laughs) So I love how you talk about the concept of home, and how home doesn't need to be a physical place but rather something you find within. Can you elaborate on that and how you came to that understanding? I think
1: it probably, um, the analysis pro- of all this, of my situation, probably happened after Nancy died. Mm-hmm. And I was just totally shocked. Uh, we had lost, um, in I was living in Maine and we had lost a number of friends to illnesses. And then suddenly Nancy died in this car accident. And it just, uprooted me in so many ways. I didn't know how to deal with that, even though I've seen death before. And, and of course, as a lawyer, I've been involved with so many people in terms of um, their life situations and estate planning. But um, this really just, I, I it's odd to say, but her death um, brought me to a better life. Of understanding myself. I went inward for many years and uh, did a lot of writing. I did a lot of spiritual writing. I would sit and wait for words to pour out and they would pour out. And some of them, I didn't even know where they came from. Um, I even had Archangel, Pelican, Doolittle, Uh, was one of my um, followers so to speak and helped me and so it was really for a period of about uh, I think uh, eight years before I then met Bernice Uh, and so that was my my search and going through that and coming out on a better side on a more aware side.
0: Yeah well you seem to be very much an optimist. Yes. Was you always that way by temperament, or did you cultivate that? I think um, I was that way since I
1: it was in the orphanage. I I just, I don't know what, how p- people get the way they get, generally. I'm not a therapist. But um, it just helped me to, to find belief. And so, and, and I think it came from also that, In the orphanage, um, we had a synagogue and a rabbi. And I talk about that in the book some. And I would discuss issues with the rabbi. And I didn't believe that God could be so mean to people and things that happened. But um, that gave me solace. That gave me something to process more deeply. And um, I just over time believe that there's that this life is not just one life that I live and and then I'm gone and into the dirt. I believe that I believe in reincarnation and I've done a lot of reading about reincarnation from famous people. Um, and it's fascinating. And I mentioned in my book, the name of, um, Ian Stevenson, a doctor, uh, I think from North Carolina who did a lot of studies with children who remember past lives. And I, um, and in the university, I was working at the University of Maine, running the student legal services program. It was the first job I had after I moved here and discovered all his writings and um, his book. And so I just have a a belief and a, uh, expectation that we just go on in just different forms. Does I hope re- to answer your questions. I got that- carried away here a little. That's
0: okay. Does that belief in reincarnation conflict with jewish tenets i'm not sure um mostly it
1: does but there are some who, who um uh who do believe uh and i ha- i found some books that believe in reincarnation hmm. and that are in, in the jewish history so that really made me feel uh a lot
0: better right um, so Having been raised Catholic, I did not believe in reincarnation before, but as an adult, I do believe that our souls go on. And I believe it's beyond the ken of humans what really happens. But in any event, you also have written about cultural and religious ancestry. Would you like to speak uh, about that and how that has influenced your life and your writing hmm that's a tough one but um i think my
1: father's experiences in russia as a jewish person and what he went through in his life which i share a lot in in the book um moved me to um really look into that background and and the history of my family and the his the Jewish history, um as well as well as others. I mean a lot of religions are are negative and positive. But um I think my search came from my father's experiences and his hard life in in Russia and then coming to America. Um, maybe if you want to ask anything else regarding that, I'm not sure.
0: Have you been to Russia?
1: Yes, I went to Russia and Germany, and um I share that in the book too, okay. and I went to a synagogue to see if I could find my family, because I had an uncle who went to Russia much earlier when Russia was less open at the time, and uh, he found uh, his brother. My father had 13 brothers and sisters, and he found this brother and he was didn't come to America because he was already married and had kids. And so he the, um, his daughter came and visited um, America. And, and it, the experience of being in Russia and being in Germany really gave me a bigger perspective on life because we're in some ways in America, we're very insulated. And when you go to these other countries, you discover um, the joy that other people have. Like I, I tell the story of in Russia, um, we we had we had met two friends that we knew from Germany, and they set up a meeting with uh, a group of people. And it turned out that we went to the to this meeting. Where was it? In a Jewish restaurant in Russia, at the bottom of a gigantic building. And and it was like, um, I think about nine or so men, the sweetest men. And we just had a wonderful time getting to know each other and talking about our life experiences. And so travel is really, really good to get beyond the limitations when you just are in one country.
0: Oh, I completely agree. And travel is a passion of mine. Mm. So uh, I know that dance is also a passion of yours how did that enter your life I always enjoyed dancing
1: it is it's freeing and when I would get depressed I would just start dancing and I turned out to be a pretty good dancer I mm-hmm. um, did some belly dancing right. when I was older in New York and we'd, we'd go we'd go out uh, with friends dancing um, and I danced in the house and the nicest thing that I in the house is because I'm surrounded by trees and the woods and there's no really houses around me, um, maybe a little bit more, a little outside now, things have grown up. But um, I could look out my big windows in my house and at night and have the outdoor light on and I could dance in my house and, and friends could dance in the house too. We could just, you know, and see yourself in the mirror of the of the windows. But I just, um, dancing is so freeing.
0: Mm-hmm. Whenever
1: I get tense, I just have to start dancing. And I taught dancing. I taught cha-cha and mambo for a while. Wonderful. And, and, and the jitterbug. <laughs>
0: um,
1: right. It is just something that it, it releases all the tension.
0: Oh, well, I agree with that. Dancing is, can elicit such joy. Yes. And I would like to remember to do it more often. <laughs> So I don't know um, if you would like to read a passage about your book or uh, in your book, your latest book, or if you would like to just summarize for our listeners what I have, I have
1: some passages uh, in right with me that I can wonder let me just oh here. Okay. Um, Okay, one of them is, I did not have choices in my own childhood. Yet, thankfully, I had aspirations, even though at the time I didn't know what the word meant. As my home kid friend, and we used to call ourselves home kids in the orphanage, we were the home kids, so so to speak. As my my home kid friends later reminded me, even in the orphanage, I was always acting like a social worker, giving advice and being an advocate when I believed the actions of the counselors were unfair or unnecessary. The dream of being Superman, well, Superwoman, supported my loneliness and gave me purpose I survived by seeing seeking purpose now in this new stage of my life I struggled again to find purpose to find meaning to thrive not just survive and I have two other short ones if you want to hear yes yes that oh. was beautiful thank you the effects of Nancy's death on me had become as enriching as the effects of her life with me the the irony didn't escape me that all my life I had longed for the family that was taken from me. Now I had a family, but it had come at the expense of another loss. Nevertheless, it was healing, healing me in the present and healing the child of the past. What that relates to is that um, I became very close to Nancy's uh, family and, and especially after her death and her mother basically became my second mother and she's in her 90s now, and we still keep in touch, and I and I've vi- have visited her. So it's like my second family. And then the last one is, I read somewhere that the real goal of meditation is to come home to parts of ourselves that we'd lost in the rush of life. This was a challenge for me. I lived actively, sometimes obsessively. I hadn't possessed a natural inner calm. Nancy's death changed me. My soul peeked out and roared, finally you noticed me i didn't need to be superman's daughter anymore as i had in the orphanage which was something i told myself a lot maybe now believing it
0: oh that's beautiful Bravo! that is really beautiful and if you want to read not only her beautiful memoir but also her blog called thinking aloud it it's a beautiful blog it has lots of pictures gorgeous photography really Thank you. so uh, you can continue to follow her journey and um, her musings because they're they're really beautiful pieces. Thank you. So I'd like to ask all of the guests on this podcast. Roberta, what do you do to become your best version? Um, I try to be
1: by my best version by being loving to my partner, Bernice. Uh, to my dog Ruby, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to share with people the good and the bad, to be open um, to listening to others. Um, I learned a lot of that while being a lawyer, um, and to to look inward, to to look at what other people are going through, being supportive to them. Seeing that we are not alone, we, we have to help each other, we have to care for each other, we have to um, become one with other people and, and understand what they're going through. Because if we don't understand what they're going through, we're not gonna understand what we're going through.
0: Well said, well said. Well, not only are you an optimist, it sounds like you're a great empathic as well. I try. (laughs) (laughs) So I would encourage all of you to get her book, Framing a Life, Building the Space to Be Me, and also to look at her website, Kuriloff.com, K-U-R-I-L-O-F-F, and Twitter, R. Kuriloff, author. I have to admit, I have to admit, I'm very rarely
1: on Twitter. I'm mainly on Facebook. I have to learn Twitter better.
0: Okay, well, uh, then you can also find her on Facebook. What is your handle on Facebook? Um, Roberta Curloff, author. Okay. All right. Well, we will look to to your future writings. They're beautiful. I love what you share with the world and that you do it with such grace and openness. Thank you. And um, maybe part of that has to do with living in lovely Maine. Who knows? Yes, beautiful vein. Beautiful, beautiful <laughs> vein. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Roberta, for sharing with us today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.